0: And it became almost like, uh, honestly, addiction. I would go shopping with my mom when I was in gymnastics, and we'd be in the store, and I'd be like, "Oh, I really need to do like a handstand right now." And she'd look like, oh, really like, around right
1: and she'd
0: be like, She oh, really would like right be able like, oh, really to do, like clear the the place and, be like, oh, really do, like, right and be like, "Okay, no one's here. Go ahead." Like, it, it was like an addiction. It literally is. It and it's still to this day, it's like, people it's will look around it. and be like, oh, Jen's on her hands again. And yeah. like, yeah, it just, it feels good.
1: You are listening to the Live Better Show with Brett and Jason, where we dive into life crushers, changing their game, talking about wellness, and sharing a message of putting
2: plan into action. Live Better is based on five pillars. Move better, eat better, think better, give better, and live better. We move for freedom to do and go where and when we want. We practice good nutrition to combat an age of being overfed and undernourished. We practice mindfulness for ways to live purposefully. We give better as the basis for why we do anything at all, especially when focusing on the health of our clients and community. And at the intersection of it all, we live better. Health
1: and wellness is the sustainable fuel to do whatever it is in life you want to do better. Our guests share their story, their mission, and and the pursuit of having the best day ever, every single day.
2: Hey! Turn up, bitch! (laughs) Today's sponsor of the Live Better show is Hyperice. At Hyperice, their mission is to provide athletes with a set of tools that improve performance by accelerating recovery time, preventing injury, and enhancing the body's ability to move more efficiently. All Hyperice products are developed and tested to meet the standards of the world's best athletes. Vibrating foam rollers and balls, the best ever. We simply cannot get enough of the
1: Hypersphere and Vipers. We use them before and after every training session we complete, whether that's for running or rock climbing. We are also lucky enough to provide you with the best discount code ever. Use the code LIVEBETTER20 for a 20% discount off the site. Brett and Jason here with the Live Better Show. Super excited to have Dr. Jen on the podcast today. Dr. Jen, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. How are you guys doing?
1: We're doing the best ever, as always. Um, So first, let's just kick it off and learn a little bit about what you're currently up to, and then we'll dive a little bit deeper.
0: Sounds good. Well, currently, I am working privately as a physical therapist, and I'm working on some programs to get up for, you know, get into the online world, since I kind of have a platform there. (laughs) And just loving continuing to learn and work on people.
1: Yeah, that's super awesome. I mean, obviously, um, what you do is physical therapy, um, helping people to perform at a higher level. Um, so can you just dive a little bit deeper into some of the specifics of what you're doing in your clinic?
0: Yeah. So really right now, I'm. Key, it's, it's super simple. I left the typical physical therapy clinic, and now I just have a table in a gym. (laughs) Uh, My main focus is really evaluating people from head to toe. I don't care where they say their injury is. I mean, I do, but, like, every evaluation is going to be pretty consistent. I'm going to look at the body as a whole um, and see where things could have been causing issues up to the shoulder? Was it coming from the foot? You know. So I'm looking at the body as a whole. I'm looking at movement. And then when I'm treating, I'm really focusing on not only what kind of manual work can I do to kind of assist some of the neurological patterns and some of the soft tissue fascial Um, alignment but now how can we get you moving how can we get you breathing right how can we get you feeling good within your body so that you can get back to whatever it is you're doing so i don't use modalities such as ultrasound machines or electrical stimulation it's really pretty simple i have a couple tools that i use um with my manual work but other than that it's just me and the client
2: can you take us through what Kind of a normal session looks like for you, right? You said you don't do a lot of ultrasound tools, and you and you have some tools. Can you talk about um, the things that you like to use, and maybe just walk through a standard progression with a client? And if you need to, you know, assume maybe a common condition, um, feel free to do so.
0: Sure. Um, so when I start with everyone, I. I do an hour and a half evaluation because I just feel like an hour is not enough for me to really be able to see the body as a whole and do a little bit of treatment and do some homework. (laughs) So, I do an hour and a half treatment so that I could really look at not only how you're standing posturally, but I also then ask the client. So I'm going through – as I'm looking through everything, I'm saying, okay, what do you feel? How Do you feel like weight is on one side more than the other? Do you feel like you're evenly distributed amongst your feet? Do you feel – like I want them to start to understand what they're feeling in their own body. Maybe one foot is stepped behind. Do you feel that? Do you feel one knee hyperextended more than the other? So I'm really getting someone to understand their own body. And if they're not feeling something, because that's really common, I'll take a picture. And I'm not using the picture as like to post, oh, here's day one, here's day five. Sometimes that happens and there's structural change that we see. But I'm really I'm using the picture so that they can see what I'm saying and they start to understand their own body. Um, so that's really cool. And then I take them through a movement assessment and a movement screening, kind of seeing where things may be restricted, whether it's mobility, whether it's motor control, whether you know it's really just a passive restriction that we need to do some manual work or maybe it's motor control related and we need to get you kind of understanding how neurologically get into that range of motion better. Um, after that, I do, I have them walk and then kind of feeling how they're walking after we just went through everything that they're kind of feeling and standing in a movement. Now, how does it translate to your everyday walking? And then that's when I'll lay someone on the table and I'll take them through my own passive, passive ranges, maybe some active ranges laying down, um, so that we can get a really general overall picture of what your body is doing. So before we even address where the pain is, we're really looking at how the how your body in particular is working and how uh, where other restrictions may be that's causing the pain that you currently have. Awesome. And then from there, that's when I'll do manual treatment. So I do what's called myo detox. It's just a a, a manual technique that really we're running through the entire. Kind of system, and what we follow are really looking at fascial lines. So we're not just looking at a muscle individually, which I still might do, um, but I'm also looking at the body as a whole. So where in within that fascial restriction, where I'm feeling, kind of where there may be some restrictions, and then we go through their home exercises as far as what I think they need to be doing on their own.
2: Very cool. How do you? Um and and I had just been just had heard of myo detox um, though we've been going to several different kinds of chiropractors and movement practitioners. <laughs> Brett and I have been um, working with a lot of different people over the last couple of years. How do you think you differ from just a standard physical therapist, or what have you brought on your own that kind of sets you apart from maybe that kind of standard template for somebody visiting a PT?
0: I think what's been amazing for stepping out on my own is really being able to have the time with patients. In a typical clinic setting, you're, you, don't, you don't have the time. They want turnover. They want as many clients coming through the door, getting as much out of the insurance company as you can. So it's just you'd be lucky to get half an hour with a client, and that's a lot of time in a clinic. So what I'm so grateful to be able to have is time, because not only am I now able to look at what's going on physically and how we can help structural, but now I'm able to really dive into what's going on in a client's life, what emotionally or stressors or anything else that could be causing chronic pain, um, and really being able to treat someone as a whole person.
2: Yeah. And I love that. That's Actually, right when Brett and I transferred over, because I didn't, I started working big four accounting, and Brett started working in corporate retail. Um, and when we made the switch into health and wellness, we both basically refused to do work at a big box gym right away as full time work, just because it was that same kind of volume training, and you really didn't mm-hmm. get to know clients. You couldn't put any of the extra time that wasn't what the focus was on. And we really wanted that deep value work with clients, which I think is awesome. Yeah. And something, and I think it's effective and something you brought up about going through clients' homework with them, um, through the work that Brett and I have been doing over the last year, I'd say probably the most important thing we realized was that the work you get done in clinic is super important, but the other five, six days of the week that you don't get to see somebody are, that's where the real game changer is at. Um, definitely. So can you talk about what tools you recommend people might have at home, um, that they can work on any of that, like, um, myofascial release, uh, and, or like stretching assistance, anything like that that you might prescribe for someone to have at home?
0: Um, I really think at least a basic foam roller. So at least the black regular foam roller is needed. Um, I'm not really a huge fan of like the foam rollers that have, like the rumble roller, I guess, right? That has like the the edges that come out and and kind of poke you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really think that's necessary, and I don't promote a lot of my clients like going home and and rolling and trying to get their own facial release because it's not. That's not really what's happening. Even when I'm doing fascial work, I'm telling them, like, I'm affecting the nervous system and I'm affecting the way that the nervous system is responding to your fascia. So in order to really deform fascia, it takes like 2,000 tons. That's a lot of work. So someone telling you that they're, they're getting in on you to break up fascia or to break up scar tissue, it's just probably not true. And so I don't like to promote that, hey, go home and, and dig into yourself, you know. I don't really, I think a basic foam roller is all you need. Anything that kind of will, you can roll and it feels good and it kind of changes your neurological respond, response to like that tight tissue. If that helps, great. If it's making you stress out and putting your body in more stress, that's when it's bad. So I, I don't promote too much at home. Maybe a, like a ball to roll the feet out on or maybe if it needs to get in the back of the shoulder, I'll show some specific techniques, but I really don't promote myofascial release. I don't call it that. I really say it's like if we're trying to tap into the parasympathetic nervous system. We're trying to get your body to rest and relax so that you can move better, so that you can get out of these restrictions, but we have to teach you how to get... How to tap into that. Um, another one I really like is I've taught people how to like... I learned it actually from one of my good friends. She's a yogi and she folds up the the foam roller, or not the foam roller, sorry, a, a yoga mat, like, like a sleeping bag. So you fold it in half long ways and you roll it up and it comes like a half little foam roller, but it's really squishy. And you actually... Use it underneath the rib cage when you're lying down on your stomach and it kind of helps to release underneath the diaphragm, which I think is a super cool technique and something that doesn't add more stress like a foam roller. It's not too thick. It's not too hard. So I thought that was a really cool thing that might be a tool that I'll tell people to use at home. And then other than that, it's really just using your own body. Maybe I'll have some therabands and a little bit of dumbbell work if you can get into a gym.
1: Yeah, that, that is super interesting. I think that's one of the, there's so much going on these days about different mobility techniques, different ways to focus on your movement patterns that people are getting caught up in the fancy stuff. And at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's the things that work that you see value. You actually see results, which is something that's interesting that, that you get to see is actually getting to see someone progress through a plan. Uh, yeah. If you were to look at just say an average individual, someone that is... Um, working nine to five that works out a few days a week um what would be just something that they can do maybe um and and this is something jason and i like to do with our clients too is just give them maybe a five to ten minute morning and or evening routine um just so that everybody can feel a little bit better Uh, Mm -hmm. what would be what would be a few exercises or a few movement patterns or a few releases you would prescribe to just the average
0: individual um, one of my favorites to kind of get people moving in the morning is uh just so when you're still lying in bed, rolling over onto one of your sides holding your top knee down so that your lumbar spine kind of gets locked out and doesn't move, and then just reaching your arm over and breathing out as you reach and open that chest. So what that does, it kind of helps to immediately start to open the chest. It creates a twist through the spine, so you're getting some thoracic rotation. And it really, it's just like a feel-good thing to do in the morning, right, right before you're going to get up, you're kind of opening up that chest, you're opening up your back, and you're getting things to move before you even get out of bed. So I love that one. as um, That's usually one of my go-tos when I'm telling people. Sometimes some like quick hamstring releases, like just actively moving the leg up and down and maybe a little bit of a piriformis stretch before you get out of bed is like a really some good ones to do that I recommend. And I recommend this to almost every single one of my clients is breathing before you go to sleep. So stacking your legs up on some pillows putting one hand over your belly one hand over your chest and trying to to feel the belly and the low rib cage in some really slow diaphragmatic breathing so getting your body to truly tap into that parasympathetic system especially right after you've had like a long crazy day you want to shut down you want to go to bed and you want to teach yourself how to breathe again because I think one of the main things is that people forget how to breathe I mean you can mobilize all you want you can try to you know Dig into yourself as much as you want, but if you don't know how to breathe, you're missing a huge system. So. That's one of my go-tos. And then another one that I like is just laying on the foam roller. So maybe at night or throughout the day, laying on the foam roller along your spine long ways, and then just letting your arms kind of fall out in a football post so that you're stretching the pecs and just breathing there. That's like a fabulous one, especially we live in a world where we're on our phones, we're on our computers, you know, everything is forward and round. So being able to just like open and relax into an open position, let gravity do its thing, I think is a great one
1: yeah those ones are awesome those are the exact same ones that we recommend i and i and it's interesting that um you mentioned the breathing before sleep because i think creating a a pre-sleep routine and kind of winding down your day before you go to sleep is so important people just jump in bed and because the bed's so comfortable and you're so tired that you fall asleep when Mm -hmm. in reality if you do something to make your sleep better Even if it's just three minutes of deep breathing, what you notice is by the end of three minutes, you're already asleep and it's just a way better pattern. Um, Do you have any other recommendations regarding sleep? There's a lot of um, questions out there about sleeping position, about pillows to use. Should you put one between Mm -hmm. your knees? Should you sleep on your side? Do you sleep on your back? Do you roll a pillow under your back? Like, Do you you recommend anything? Um, Just general sleeping. I know that we spend a lot of time in bed, sleeping Mm -hmm. um there's a million different positions you're going to rotate throughout them throughout the night but is there any advice you give um and not necessarily to somebody that has trouble sleeping but just someone that wants to either sleep a little bit better or to work on their alignment while they're resting
0: yeah i think i always ask well what do you feel comfortable with What is like your go-to? Because I never want to tell like a stomach sleeper or side sleeper. Okay, well now you have to lay on your back and and try to sleep. Like that's just not that's not happening, you know. (laughs) So if someone already sleeps on their back, great. Then I say, okay, maybe you try stacking a couple pillows underneath your knees so that you decrease some strain onto your back and you're not like kind of resting into a lordotic position when you're sleeping. So that's one that I'll recommend if someone's sleeping on their back. Sometimes it's nice to have those pillows that naturally already have like the um, the round part for the neck. That could be a really good thing to kind of sleep with, um, especially if you're on your back. When you're on your side... It's actually, it's. I, I would say a lot of people sleep with pillows too thick a lot of the times and their neck is like up off to the side. <laughs> so I would say the first thing is making sure that you find a pillow that your neck is like pretty much straight in alignment. And for some people that means like it's almost like the width of stacking two towels, two big towels on top of each other. They're folded And, and that's all you need. It's not that much. Some people who have maybe greater shoulder mass, they might need a little bit more, but I would say a thinner than you think pillow is actually a little bit better as long as that your neck is in alignment. Again, if it's like too low, then you run into those other problems. When you're laying on your side, I would say try not to get your shoulder to be crunched underneath you. If you can kind of let your shoulder blade take you out and let your shoulder kind of out so that the shoulder blade is actually resting with the shoulder joint forward instead of compressing everything right on top. And then definitely have a body or a body pillow (laughs) that you can kind of drape the other arm on top of so that you're not, like, again, rusting that arm and kind of jamming that shoulder in any funny way and having something for your legs. So either, again, a body pillow that goes um, and helps support the top leg or at least a pillow between the legs so that the hips are kind of stacked and there's no funny business going on there. Sometimes it's nice to kind of stick some pillows right behind the back so that if you do happen to shift or turn a little bit, you have that support so you're still on your side. And then for stomach, it's really hard. I would try, I would still try to bias toward your side, but you could lay on, like, laying on your stomach, have one pillow that kind of comes out and supports the arm that's sticking out so one hand is like down by your side the other hand is kind of up and rested on a pillow so your chest is kind of lifted it's almost like you're on your side but you're still like a little bit toward your stomach just so that you can have that support and making sure that the head isn't too rotated it also helps to kind of alleviate that yeah, if, that, that makes, if any of it, that made sense, just from talking. So,
1: sense. <laughs> so much sense. And it's interesting because we've asked a, a bunch of people about that. And it seems like the more and more people were talking about is it, almost just like creating this cocoon that you sleep in yeah. With pillows. Yeah, like, I know. Like, you're like, in oh this gosh, nice position. So <laughs> yeah. I love, and I, it was so interesting because I'm a side sleeper. And the next question I'm going to get into is, is a little bit of a more personal question about an all alignment um, thing I want to talk through. But I noticed that I, I sleep on my side and I love it. I have the body pillow between the knees. I have my, my side or my fiance, which over my underneath my arm. Um, but there what I've go. noticed is that I put the pillow behind my back. And just to kind of slightly rotate backwards onto that, relieves so much pressure from my bottom shoulder. And like you you've mentioned a few times, opens up the chest on the top shoulder. So I'm not Mm -hmm. kind of just in this like old lady hunched over position. I feel as though like I have good, um, like shoulder posture while I'm sleeping on my side. And honestly, that was like maybe a month ago. I really did that. And I've noticed like a pretty dramatic increase just in how I feel when I wake up. So that is, that's, it works. I mean, i firsthand know that that works.
0: Well, that's so great.
1: Um, and so diving into kind of uh, me a little bit is one thing I'm really trying to work on is just posture. I, I preach it every single day in the classes I teach and the yoga that I teach and with my clients. And um, I do a bunch of posture work, whether it's conditioning the scaps to be stronger, to carry the load, or to releasing tension in the shoulders and the neck and in the traps. Um, and for me personally, I've just noticed that it's something I need to work on. My, my posture is good, but it's not great. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually found a post that you made not too long ago on Instagram with this cool little way of like threading a band over a pull-up bar and putting your hand behind your back and then putting that band kind of in your armpit and letting that kind of just create a little bit of a, um, uh, a little bit of an opening in the chest and just leaning into that. Do you remember that post you did? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I love that. That was like one of the things I was like, this actually is sweet and it works. Do you have any recommendations for somebody? um, Maybe it's like how we just talked about that five or ten minute routine in the morning. If it's geared towards posture, just any moves that I can steal and start doing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think... I mean, it starts from the pelvis, so anything that you're kind of doing, again, deep breathing is already getting, like, that core activation, that that pelvic floor to be pushing and pulling against, and that lower back to be moving, so I think breathing is automatically something that's going to help in the posture. Um, one that I really like, and then I think you have to go down to the feet. So are your feet like falling in and are they lifted up too much and kind of finding the balance. Sometimes I like to just play with pronation and supination as much as I can to kind of feel where the balance would be. Maybe someone is a little bit more flat footed. So you're working a little bit more toward that arch and lifting up into that posterior tib right on the inside of that foot. Um, so it, it's always, I mean, it's dependent, you know, yeah. person to person. And then uh, making sure that you kind of have balance in the hips again. So, are your, some, a lot of people like think their, their hamstrings are super tight, but if they can get to like 80 degrees of, of lifting that leg straight up. It's really not that tight. So maybe your other side is tight. What I find a lot is that a lot of people have quad tightness. So really finding positions that you can stretch that quad, which I like a good old couch stretch, which is when you're in the half kneel and you kind of let the the back leg lift onto the couch and you're just kind of trying to posterior tilt and breathe into that. I love that one. Um, I would say really only focus on opening up the hip flexor a lot if you are in a seated position for long periods of time. I don't think that one needs to be hammered in quite as much as we might be hammering it in because not only is it you know, in a shortened position, but it's also weak. So maybe expanding it too much and with its weakness is now you're gonna create more imbalance. So I like to be careful with a lot of uh, too much hip flexor opening um, a lot of good balance as well is that we we know how to externally rotate our legs. We definitely squat into external rotation a lot. We stretch into external rotation a lot with pigeon. But where's internal rotation? I feel like that's lost a lot of times within the hip. So one of my favorite, I think, um, I think people call it the chin box. I call it hip ninety ninety, where I'm kind of seated and my legs make perfect 90 degrees angles from each other and in the legs and kind of trying to like sit on the bottom and then play with different isometric contractions between both sides that kind of helps to open up those hips and gain a little bit more awareness into internal rotation you definitely have to be careful with that one I wouldn't recommend anyone like trying to sit on the bottom and like hammer in internal rotation on the back leg just kind of again relaxing Breathing, allowing the body to do most of the work, and then as we get up, the it's everything we already talked about, right? Getting rotation in the upper back, doing that open book, laying on the foam roller, opening the chest, and and I like to recommend um, doing chin tucks, just to, like even. You could be seated at the desk, you could be in your car and you're kind of just like trying to make a double chin. I mean, it's not the most attractive one, but <laughs> it's, it's really, it's pretty effective to get out of that positioning of forward head and try to retrain the muscles in the front of the neck.
2: Yeah, all those are great. That I, I find in that ninety ninety 90 stretch, um, most people, you're right, totally geared towards the the external part of that stretch especially going at the outside of the hip and glute but don't do a lot of internal rotation and every time I do that 90 90 it's way harder on the um internally rotated hip than it is yeah. on the external for me for sure. For uh, sure. And you know combining on what you were talking about on um on pelvic control and breathing and stability and then on Brett's question about posture Something that I selfishly have been working on a lot recently is I'm just got back into training for, to do another triathlon and I have gotten back into running very seriously um, again and have just quickly learned that after I had become much more body aware after doing more training and, you know, being hyper-focused on this, that posture plays such a big role in running, but that running by itself is its own skill. Um, and people just kind of just tear out the front door and are like, Oh, I'm just going to go for a quick run without realizing that it's such a high impact activity and should be warmed up. And you should have subsequent strength training and mobility exercises to be able to run effectively. I would love to know if you work with any runners and maybe a specific like pre-stretch or some mobilizations for running. And then, um, any kind of like technique stuff you work with clients on, um, if you do that kind of work?
0: Yeah. So I would say before going on a run, like I don't like to do too many static, I definitely would shy away from static type stretching. Um, and really kind of what I think has been cooler in what I've been saying is getting the, the hips to kind of open up in every single direction. So one thing that I've been doing, um, it's, it's part of Gary Gray's matrix I don't know if you guys know who that is, but he kind of, he's been taking the body through. All different planes of motion in all your typical kind of movements so that the body starts to neurologically repattern where normal is through each plane of motion. So we're, we were talking about like extremes, flexion, extreme extension, and just kind of allowing your own body to go in each plane and really the extremes of each motion so that your body and your brain start to understand where the balance is and where normal is. And so one of the things that I like to do is kind of just all body weight, but doing lunges in each plane of motion. So you're going forward and backward for sagittal, you're going side to side for frontal, and then you're rotating in and rotating out with your leg for internal rotation squat or lunges and external rotation lunges, which look really scary. (laughs) And I got... You know, I've gotten backlash for posting, you know, stuff like this. But as long as you have someone watching you when you're first doing it or you're doing it in front of a mirror and you're making sure as I rotate my knees and my toes still follow in alignment, it's just the rotations coming around my hips, you know, and then it's. Same with the side it's coming straight from the hips and I'm only bending down as much as my hips can tolerate, but kind of actively opening everything up, I think is a great way to kind of work into running because yes, although it falls in the sagittal plane of movement, when you're running, you have internal rotation. That's naturally going to happen in external rotation as your foot is landing and pushing off. So being able to open up the hips in every plane is super important. Um, and then I don't mind if people kind of warm up a little bit more actively in terms of kind of finding a stretch forward and finding a stretch backward for their hamstring and their quad at the same time. I don't mind that as long as it's movement-based and it's kind of getting the brain and the body already primed for this heavy load, this uh, this extreme motion and this like um, repetitive nature of, of just moving through the body. There's no staticness, right? When you're, when you're running.
2: Yeah. I think, I think I saw one of your posts where you were talking about, um, working the hip in all directions of you doing squats in a a forward plane, external and internal. I thought, I thought that was really interesting because I had never seen, um, and it makes, it makes sense. I had never seen anyone squat on purpose (laughs) internally rotated, but it, 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 makes perfect sense if you can safely move through that range of motion, like, why wouldn't you want that mind-body connection?
0: Right. And it's really making sure that you're not, like, so I've had girlfriends who, like, their knees just go together, and you're like, oh, well, there's the issue. You know, you're not really that internally rotated. Your knees shouldn't be touching. Yeah. So finding that connection of, like, well, where is my body moving through each plane of motion is so incredible, I think for the body to be able to find and understand, because even if you work these like banded work, you know, and you're doing external rotation the entire time you getting those glutes to fire, but then you put the body in internal rotation, and it collapses. You really haven't worked it well then yeah, <laughs> your brain doesn't true. really understand.
2: Yeah, that is very true. We, um, Brett and I have been having this discussion for a while as our, collection of, uh, physical activity hobbies continues to grow by the week. (laughs) Um, we've added rock climbing, surfing, some acro yoga, all kinds of stuff to our routine over the last year or two. Um, and more research I think is, is coming out supporting what at least Brett and I's point of view. Um, but I would love to hear your take on, um, especially for young athletes, the the concept of taking their direction towards sport-specific training versus recreational play for developing athletic ability. And I think we can talk about that in terms of youth and in terms of adults, but I would love to get your take on that.
0: Yeah. I I mean, that's really hard because anyone who wants to become an amazing athlete, they kind of have to be very specific in their sport. And there's going to be certain patterns that are going to be driven over and over and over again. And that's just, that becomes their normal, which is really hard because then you, be, you develop these patterns. So I think what should be happening early on is that they should be getting evaluations, you know, at the start of every year, right after competitive you know, games or, or their individual competitions, no matter what their sport is, I think they should be getting an evaluation through a PT or Cairo, whoever it may be to kind of specifically then look at their restrictions and look at their body and see where they can work into while they're kind of building up for the next season and just make sure that everything is kind of trying to move the best that it can. There's not, they're not developing these overworked patterns but they're still moving within their whole body. I think that would be so important to be able to do. Um, One of the things that I loved when I was teaching Pilates going through school, I taught at a CrossFit and I loved that a lot of the CrossFitters would then come into Pilates or come into yoga because it is so important to get this other spectrum of what you have not been working in order for your body to even perform better.
1: Yeah, and you look at an athlete and, and one of the mottos that we go by with our Nike training is if you have a body, you're an athlete. Uh, mm-hmm. And what we see is that, like you said, like to become a better athlete, yeah, so say you're a football player and you're a cornerback, so you're always running backwards and then turning around having to get out. If you go do something different than that, yes, it might not be specific to that exact motion, but then you can just move generally better. So when an interception's made and you have to run down the field and start blocking, that is a completely different type of motion. But because right. you did X, Y, and Z, which was yoga, rock climbing, and... Skateboarding, all these different activities where you're doing different rotations of your body, you become better. Uh, Uh Obviously, you need to focus on speed. You need to get Uh your 40 yard dash down. Like, those are specific things that will make you money in the NFL. But you now have this broader range of skills, and I so th- I think that is exactly what you were reiterating, and that's kind of what Jason and I agree with: is developing this broad spectrum of movement skills, but still being able to perform at your specific sport.
0: Right, exactly. I think what's really cool. One of the guys um, that works at the gym I'm at, he's like very, very proficient and and geared toward what's called PRI, Postural Restoration Institute. Um, but he works with pretty, but very high-level athletes, so whether it's football, um, basketball, I mean, these are all, like, professional athletes, hockey, he's worked with dancers. And what he does, he'll work with them individually, but every Saturday he he gets a group together and whoever wants to come and work out on the beach together all get to work out together. And what's beautiful about that, he says, like, you see where the dancers are restricted, you see where the football players are restricted, and you see how everyone wants to move together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, and I think that's and then they can bounce knowledge cool off each
1: other too so that they can yeah. be learning from, yeah, that, that's great. Um, one of the questions that kind of leads me into is is an example of something that Jason and I have to deal with and, and any trainer or PT has to deal with. You get a client coming in that has two issues or two pr- things that they want to work on. One is correcting their movement patterns. They have an ache or a pain or a impingement, but then they also have a weight loss goal. Um, So for example, say say it's a pretty big weight loss goal. This individual wants to lose 35 pounds, but they also don't have good movement patterns. The question that I have, and and that is something that is interesting, I think, for any individual that's in that state is what is better to work on? Is it more important physically to lose the weight so that then you can move easier within the patterns because you're not bearing that load? Or... And and I and I understand that the line might get blurred a little bit. Is it more important uh-huh. to correct the pattern first so that when they're moving they do it correctly?
0: Um I would say it's more important to work the pattern and I mean I think the weight will come in time. I mean there's no there's no quick fix anyways for weight and mm-hmm. I'm not expecting someone really overweight to be hitting these crazy hit workouts or
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So as long as they're moving, and then we're focusing. Okay, now what stressors are going on? How are your eating patterns? How are, like as long as we're breaking down other things, and then working on movement and patterning, and maybe adding a little weight here and there. But if they're working on thirty to thirty minutes to an hour of just movement pattern, I mean that's powerful within itself.
1: Yeah, and so, you can create your own load just using your body weight.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally.
1: Yeah, that's interesting, and I think that that is that is, and this might be another question: is how do you tell somebody that? How do you go over with an individual that comes in that just went to their doctor saying, you know what, you got to lose weight, or you're predisposed to type two diabetes, um, or something like that, where they're feeling the societal pressures of weight loss, being like and then they see somebody that's posting their picture that they just went to some crazy workout at the beach and they can't do that because they you know, can't even sit into a squat. How do you kind of have that conversation with somebody and, and go over that, hey, you know what, this is gonna be a progression with time? Jason and I completely understand that. You understand that things take time, but it's hard for anybody to understand that that's in that
0: situation. Yeah, I think it's always building someone up to, for them to see their own little goals like it could be little things um i think what's what's convenient for me to be able to say in terms of getting someone to believe in the eating patterns and everything is like if someone's in pain i'm going to say hey if you're putting this in your body you're causing more inflammation you're going to be in more pain yep you know and getting them to understand the education behind that is is so huge and then when i work with clients whether they're overweight or not um and luckily, I don't have to deal with this a lot because my goal for you is not to lose weight. I'm going to say, "Hey, let's get you out of pain." Then let me get, take you over to a trainer I respect. You know, yeah, yeah. so luckily, I don't have to deal with this a whole lot. But I did take um, a personal training client one. I don't take any, so hopefully, no one listening to this <laughs> <especially with> you. <laughs> I only agreed to one because she was already in the building that I'm in, and like it was very, very convenient. She's got. She had shoulder problems, knee problems, bowel issues. So it was like something that was I felt more comfortable working with her than passing her along. Um, and she was not overweight at all, but had a lot of not only mental stuff holding her back because she's been in shoulder pain for so long, and she's been in, she's had. Oh no, that that movement caused me knee pain last time. I mean, it was a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of stuff to, to work through. but And sometimes she didn't see that she made any progress. So being able to say, oh, do you see how much better that was for you? Do you see, oh, you weren't able to even stand up on that last time. Now you're getting up, no problem. You weren't able to do this. And then starting to have them you know, see the patterning themselves and say, Oh yeah, that's so much better. And then you start to lose, I think the distraction of like, Oh, that person, like it was able to do that workout. Yeah. But look at what I was able to do that I couldn't do when I first got in here and just continuing to remind them of these little accomplishments, these little things I think is so big. And that's what I do even in my, you know, I'm not getting anyone to sweat in physical therapy that often, but when I, even like little mobility things. So see, you couldn't do that before. Oh, look at how you're standing here. Feel your weight here. You know, it's like, it's, it's always these little things that I think is really important to help people realize and be able to start to see for themselves.
1: Yeah. I think the little goals, the little landmarks along the way are, are it. I mean, that, that's exactly how you understand it. One of the things that I felt that way was recently, um, working just towards being able to do a handstand for me was super important I saw everybody doing it Jason could stick one and I could and I was pissed so I set out a goal for myself and I in, in last November I put I, I put it on Instagram every single day that I was going to work on handstands for 10 minutes. And I was doing a lot of uh, specific training for it and all of that. And now that I can do it, it's like it was the little goals along the way. That was the first time that I felt like I didn't just fling my legs up in the air. That felt good. It was this, the time where I was kind of rocking on my hands, being able to do all those little things. And now that I can do it, it's, it's the best feeling ever. Uh, I know you love handstands. Can you just give us uh, just a, a bit? <laughs> uh, can you give us some details on why you love them and what why that's fun for you?
0: Oh my gosh! Like I can't even. I mean, so I was a gymnast like fourteen, almost fourteen years ago, like so long ago. And everyone thinks oh it just comes natural, and I'm like I could point out so many friends who quit like five years ago and can't do can't hold a handstand longer than a couple seconds. So it's not that it comes natural; it's that you continue to do it. Um, but I I don't know. Ever since I was in gymnastics, it was like I was the one who was like winning the handstand competitions. If we ever did like something fun like that, I was the one. Like, handstands just came next. And it became almost like, uh, honestly, addiction. I would go shopping with my mom when I was in gymnastics, and we'd be in the store, and I'd be like, oh, I really need to do like a handstand right now. And she'd like, <laughs> <"Just
1: laughs>
0: look around and hang she'd out be like, Jason that and I. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You she would like be able to like clear the 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 place and be like, okay, no one's here. Go ahead. And, like it was like an addiction. It literally is, and it, it still to this day. It's like just, people it's will look around it. and be like, oh, Jen's on her hands again. And yeah. like, yeah, it just it feels good.
2: <laughs> it does. You get through a TSA, you do a handstand, you get on the plane. We go on, you do a handstand. We're going
1: on a flight, and we're like going down. Jason and I, one of our biggest pet thieves is those moving walkways. We I hate just, them. We just hate There's them. No point. Um, and. <laughs> So speaking of movement, that is literally the ultimate definition of a lack of movement. So we're like, we got to do something funny with these. So Jason just sticks a handstand on it the whole way down. And I filmed that Instagram story. It was great. But like, it's just like, it's one of those things. And like you mentioned, I think finding that opportunity to play uh, and to express yourself in a way in which just isn't normal. It's something different. Is something that Jason and I... Through movement, um, working with clients, working with friends and family, whoever it may be, have just found this idea of play. Um, and yeah. obviously it feels good when you don't have any impingement. So once you've seen you for a couple months and all your issues go away, then it's just all about <laughs> playing and moving around. And so that's something that we preach is like. When you're working out in the gym and you're putting in these hours to look good and feel good, you should incorporate some type of play. Jason and I were just going out over his workout plan for the next few weeks, and he was like, well, yeah, of course I'm going to leave in two days to just do whatever feels good, whether that's rock climb or handstand or try to do backflips, whatever it is. Oh, um, yeah. How, do you, how, how much importance do you put into just playing and just having fun with movement?
0: Oh, man, all the time. I really like – people ask me all the time. You know, what's what's your regimen? What do you do? How many times do you do this? How often? I'm like, I don't know. Whatever my body tells me. (laughs) I really, I mean, I think I'm fortunate enough to say that I'm not in a position where I'm like forcefully trying to lose weight. I'm just chilling and maintaining. And if I don't work out for two days, I'm not... a pleasant person to be around <laughs> so it really is just like a like I need it because it feels good but sometimes I'll run sometimes I'll do a hit workout but I have a lot of friends that also love to play so I have a lot of people that I've built in the community around Santa Monica and Venice and they just like to I mean our workout is doing yoga or doing calisthenics or anything like that. It's just fun. And for me, it's just fun. And when I noticed that acro yoga started to become like this thing that I had to progress in. And if I wasn't progressing, I was going to get angry. I would stop because I was like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not out there. Some of my friends, like good for them. They're performing. They're really, this is a job for me. This is not a job. This is literally play. So if I feel any kind of frustration coming on, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. This is not supposed <laughs> get to be work.
2: Yeah, it's like yeah, this is not supposed to be work.
0: No, exactly, or frustrating, or like a hard workout. If I'm going to do this kind of workout, I'm out there for hours, and I'm taking breaks, and I'm hanging with friends, and I'm having fun, and maybe I learned something new, and it's awesome. But I'm not like putting pressure on myself.
2: Where did you start doing yoga or um, doing acro? Where did you get into that?
0: Um. So. I used to be a part of the calisthenic community down in Venice. Uh, I still love them. They're still my friends, so I wouldn't say used to. But that's where I kind of started going down to L.A. beaches a lot because I grew up inland, which is about an hour and a half away from L.A. And during that time, I was going to an open gym in Orange County, and... Um, and it was just like an adult open gym at a gymnastics place where I'd go play and there was a couple people that started coming and they were doing aqua yoga and I was like what the heck what is that (laughs) that it was like my first time seeing it that was everything and and I asked them, and they said, you know, well, everyone goes down to Santa Monica. You should definitely go down to Santa Monica. And I was like, okay. So I went for my first time. I remember kind of, like, exploring the beach, like, nervous because everyone's amazing. And someone was like, oh, do you want to fly? And I was like, "Uh, I've never done this in my
2: yes.
0: life. <laughs> yes. Luckily, it was david floyd who was like literally competed in the olympics for this stuff like he's amazing um so he was the first one to ever put me in hand to hand and i was like oh this is easy and then i tried it with someone else i was like not so much (laughs) um But that's when i really discovered it and i just started going down every sunday after that i became obsessed with the community everyone was so nice and so open and so welcoming and it became a really cool community of people to just kind of hang out learn something new and play
1: yeah that that's so cool i think that finding that that playfulness in the movement i really liked your concept of once it gets frustrating or overwhelming to like take a step back from that, and I've noticed that in my own just regular yoga journey, is I use yoga as kind of like a daily meditation when I do it. Um, and I love that. And I, oh, I do try to progress. I'm not, I'm not lying saying I, I want to be stagnant in it. I'm, I'm a, you know, type a personality that always wants to cash. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I am trying to progress, but I noticed that once that was my only thought was, oh, I need to wait for this entire flow to try to stick a handstand and then not really enjoy the mid part was when I t- yeah. t- took a step back was like, Okay break this down and enjoy the entire thing. And if for some reason you do a full flow and you spring up into a handstand and stick it great, but don't focus on that. And I think that's a very important thing. And I think that translates across from movement to day to day life, whether that's relationships or, um, creating new opportunities in anything that you're doing. So I really like that mindset of once, you know, you're on your path, Um, and following passion and having fun that this the cool stuff just starts to it works it just starts happening you're going to do an acro move you didn't think you could do you weren't trying to do it but all of a sudden someone flips you around and catches you on their feet and you're like wow I just did that that was freaking tough!" yeah yeah
0: exactly (laughs) exactly having fun with it
1: yeah that's really cool Um, One thing that Jason and I live by is just the motto of having the best day ever, every single day. We really believe in it. And it's something that we, um, we truly preach and and it's an actual true thing. Once you get into that mindset that today is going to be the best day ever, every single thing that you're doing today is making you better so that you are on this path to just never ending success, whatever that looks like for you. um, It's something that we, that we live by. So what would you say your best day ever looks like?
0: Mm. my best day ever I mean it I I would agree with you guys it happens like all the time (laughs) (laughs) awesome that's what I you know that's the mindset that I try to go into every day with and try to give to every person that I see right Um, but definitely getting a workout in I would love to say that it always happens in the morning but it doesn't always but if it could happen in the morning that would be a pretty good day so that I already get it over with and I feel good and refreshed and have to make the bed before I leave every morning, have to have my coffee. (laughs) So I love to do that. That's part of like a great day for me. And then really just being able to help people. So whatever that looks like, whether I'm in person helping a client or I'm online answering questions or whatever it may be, as long as I feel like I'm giving value to people then i think that i'm fulfilling myself as well
1: yeah i could not agree more once once you find something you can do that gives back to others you you open up a lot of doors and you just you feel great doing what you're doing so we really respect that and we know that you're doing this stuff for all the right reasons you really want to help people and that's amazing so you've got one more chance to help our listeners do you have any bits of parting advice or anything you'd want to tell them so that they can try to have the best day ever every day
0: I would say move every day. that's always part of my motto. no matter what it is, I don't care if you're just getting up and going for a walk, disconnecting from your phone for a second. moving moving is is everything and it's you can't just be static.
1: That is a hundred percent true. We love to move and we think that if you continue to move forward then you're you're following your passion and your dream and and we really um just want to thank you for your time for this we learned so much we dived into things that we wanted to know and we know that people want to know uh, where can people find out about you um where you're practicing your um your physical therapy your stuff online just everything can you give us a little uh spiel into where people can find out more about dr jen
0: yeah uh, definitely my website DrJenFit.com, is a pretty solid one to find everything um i work out of brentwood in um, california treating patients although i'm not taking anyone right now <laughs> so sorry <laughs> and and i'll hopefully be popping up around other places and doing other retreats
1: that's great and then online where can people find you is it do you, you have obviously you have a, a nice instagram and facebook can mm-hmm. you just say what what those are
0: Yeah. So Instagram, definitely follow along. If you have, if you want any educational videos, I post them all there and Facebook, it'd be docgenfit, um, for Instagram and for Facebook. It's definitely where I host a lot of my information. It's almost like blog posts at this time and that's it.
2: Wonderful. Well, thank you very much. That was awesome to, uh, to get to know a little bit more about you and thanks for sharing your story.
0: Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it.
2: Thank you. Have the best day ever.
0: <laughs> you too. All
1: right. See ya. Thanks, Jen.